Eagle looking great. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. My name is Chris. And I am Anthony. Here on the Sci-Fi Wise Guys, we are the premier podcast Ooh. when it comes to straight to stream and sci-fi and sci-fi adjacent movies, television shows, um, web originals, YouTube shorts, distribute originals, visual entertainment media, web series, television, and last but certainly not least, the greatest Star Trek animated show to ever grace Earth, I guess. Uh, Earth? Star Trek Lower Decks. Lower Decks. Season three. Yeah, we're wrapping up our season three coverage where we, we're talking about uh, episodes eight, nine, and ten today. Uh, if you missed all of our previous Lower Decks coverage, pause, bookmark it, go follow and subscribe to Sci Fi Wise Guys, go back and find them. Yeah, and then listen it's, to every single Lower Decks episode first. Yeah. Going back all, two years now. Yeah, I am actually kind of afraid to go back and listen to our very first Lower Decks. <laughs> we might need to do that. Uh, that might be a good bonus episode at some point is to re-watch season one, episode one, and then re-listen to our opinions <laughs> and see how much we agree or disagree with them. Well, uh, looking back in hindsight and seeing what, what, you know, what they were uh, going to do with it. Funny you feel. should mention that. I actually Uh-oh. did watch the first episode again most oh, recently. Really? And from what I remember of my original criticisms of the show is I just didn't want to watch Rick and Morty in space. Pretty Rick much. and Morty is like partially in space already, anyways. Yeah. Well, no, no, well, no, no. I, I didn't yeah, like. I, I didn't want. Mean. I didn't want Rick and Morty to be on the Starship Enterprise for sure. And I think that those first two episodes, maybe like, I think that criticism was well founded because, like, I think later on, um, the more the episodes came out, even though the the humor is very much on brand for what you mm-hmm. might think of Rick and mm-hmm. Morty, and I think it's. At this point, it's a bit disingenuous to even use that comparison anymore. It just is. because animation style and some people being involved with both shows, eh. Whatever. But no, I definitely, uh, they definitely did not do that. <laughs> so That's less of a criticism, more of a fear. Yeah. 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 You were afraid, and now you're not afraid. Yeah. Remember, you remember. Up, you're strong. The 5th of November. Was when that when Chris it came admitted out? he was wrong. Oh, it is. That's today. We are recording <laughs> on the 5th of November. Yes, we is. Oh. Before we before we dive back into Star Trek, can I ask you a question? Can sure. I ask you a personal question? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. And it's not about the caterpillar on your lip. <laughs> it it's is not Movember. about. <laughs> it's not about the mustache. Movember. Have you voted? Uh, yes. Regardless of anyone's political beliefs, if you're listening to this and you have not voted when this episode gets released, you need to do that. I think I think when this episode releases, early voting is done, and tomorrow is yep. election day so tomorrow if you have not voted already well here's the deal i'm gonna be really selfish for about 10 seconds election day is my birthday and so every every two to four years i have to go through an extreme amount of stress on my birthday and i don't think that's fair that being said there are some people who have holiday whose birthdays fall on particular days that aren't great either i feel sorry for anyone who's born on christmas day Right. Mm-hmm. Or anyone yeah. who's born on Valentine's Day or, or Thanksgiving or whatever. And mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. and I and I get that and I accept that. But when you spend your entire day being stressed about the future and then everyone everyone around you is also stressed about also the future. Stressed. Like yeah. I'm not mad at my mom for having me like a week and a half late, but damn. <laughs> You couldn't just push me out a couple hours earlier, like you wasn't, know. What I mean? uh, wasn't your mother a school teacher? <laughs> yes. You'd think she would know better than to be tardy. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, back in 2016, I had a really stressful birthday. Back in 20, I had a really stressful birthday. And this one doesn't seem to be um, any lighter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah. regardless, regardless, regardless of how you feel, yes, go out there and vote. Representation matters. If you want to make this country shaped in whatever way you want to shape it, you got to speak with your power. You'd raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. go out there. But I did. I voted uh, on last Saturday. It took me oh, okay. all of 25 minutes. Nice. And the most time it took me was because I was actually, uh, it was at a, a home improvement center. <laughs> me too. And uh, I was looking at the Blackstone grills and I wasn't paying attention and like five people cut in front of me. <laughs> My wife nice. and I looked over and we were like, 
Where did this line come from? Nice. <laughs> we should stop looking at these grills and actually pay attention. So, so. I, I voted yesterday at the same home improvement slash hardware store oh. uh, because there's only the one that... For, I, and I don't know how they open up a uh, early voting center in a place of business, but they did it. By God, they did it. <laughs> if only it had been at a Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. Oh, that would have been pure America. Buy a gun, vote. <laughs> Like a Jeep, uh, like Dodge dealer or whatever it is, that yeah. would be, yeah, that'd be pretty good. Or like Harley Davidson shop, uh, or or uh, a Western store, just Western like a yeah, where they sell yeah. cowboy hats. <laughs> so yesterday was the last day for early voting. Yesterday, as of the day of recording, but I, I went in the afternoon. There was a bit of a line, not terribly long, but it it went all the way down the length of the store and then turned a little bit, just a little bit down the main aisle. Mm-hmm. So I went I went and got in line. But the signs that were saying, hey, you can't use your cell phones past this point were facing out. Like they weren't facing the line because I guess the, the curve was new. They hadn't had that long, long of a line yet and they hadn't moved any of the signs. So I'm, of course, bored and I've been in line for 15 minutes. And I'm maybe not quite halfway through. So I'm on my phone playing a little game. I'm just playing a game on my phone. Uh, so I got yelled at. I didn't get yelled at. I got... Uh, sternly corrected by by this nice lady who volunteered her time to run at the thing. Hey, can't use your cell phones within 100 feet. 100 feet's that pole over there. And I look over at the pole. There's nothing unique about that pole because the signs are, of course, on the other side, as I found out after I left. Then she looked at the lady in front of me who was playing solitaire in her phone, said nothing, and then walked away. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. She just, what's going on? And so the lady in front of me, on her phone the whole time, which it's whatever. Like, I don't think she's a, I don't know if she's a bad, like, I look, like the few glances I got because we're in line, she's literally just like playing games on her phone. I'm talking to who I'm, who I'm with. We're near those, uh, we're checking out those Blackstone grills. Mm-hmm. Kind of jealous, kind of want one. And uh, suddenly there's like a, like smoke steam just comes out from in front of the lady. And I look, I'm like, she's just, she's just in the hardware store playing games on her phone, in line to vote, vaping indoors. And I was like, this is, uh, Wow, this is incredible. This is incredible. Uh, I, I can't believe this is happening. I'm I'm trying not to like laugh too loudly or like talk about her where she can because I'm like right behind her. We get sure. all the way up to, you know, you're like five people away from going to the register to go vote or whatever. And uh she's still on her phone. She answered a phone. She answered it right there in front. Now there have been signs since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, hey, I hope you're uh, turning your phone off there is the the guy who's working. She's like, yes, sir, I am. And then was on her phone for another four minutes. I was like, wow. Just the pure, just... To, it was, welcome to America. It was crazy. It was crazy. Like, you know, like I said, I don't think she's trying to do anything wrong or anything, but I feel like there's rules. I don't know. Like, it, it bothers me when people, like, break small rules, if that makes sense. Oh, well, the, the like, trick in... The trick for me whenever that happens is you just, just make some comments. Just like, man, did you guys see that sign that said you couldn't use your phone? That's crazy. Yeah, that's kinda, yeah. Do you remember when that lady came up to me and told me I couldn't use my phone? Hey, yeah, did that, you see we, that sign? <laughs> she was ignoring that. We tried. That, I tried that a little early. Oh. But uh, as soon as she was off her phone, my, my deepest desire as soon as she was off her phone was that she would get back on her phone and stop trying to talk to me. <laughs> I was like, you can stand still in line. I promise. It'll be okay. So got to ignore her a little bit. It was an interesting experience. The voting machines are different than last I remember, but I didn't. That, that was fun. Yeah, and then I bought some wood putty and I went home. Red. Yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, I I especially liked the the pile of pamphlets telling me how to vote about you know right outside, right next to those grills I was talking about. I don't think that they were put there on purpose. I think they were impromptu. People were just putting their trash down because they were (laughs) handling handing pamphlets out. Pamphlets? Yeah, that's the word. Uh, Little flyers or whatever out just outside the entrance to the hardware store. You know, at that limit where they're allowed to pick it. Yeah. I don't know if you had that or not. No, 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 no. There was no one um, offering suggestions on what they think that I should vote for. There's that one city ordinance. We don't have to get into it on on air or whatever. The one yeah. city ordinance, and they were very much trying. There were signs outside the store and promoting that ordinance, and people right outside the store trying to talk to me to promote that ordinance. <laughs> uh, I, had, I had made up my mind well before that and just wanted to get in line, so... Sure. Regardless, I did my civic duty. I'm very happy about it. Uh, it was very nice. I didn't have any issues like that. The only thing about my voting experience that was even in any way disheartening is I felt like I was the youngest person in line to vote. Oh, yeah. 100%. Which, yeah. you know, isn't isn't a problem. It was a Saturday at nine, like 9 o'clock in the morning. But still, mm-hmm. if you're out there and you you're are listening pretty to this old episode. In that, in that regard. If you are listening to this episode, and like I said, you haven't voted, go do it. 
Yeah. Whether my birthday is a good day or a bad day, I will go to sleep happier knowing that people did what they were supposed to do. We were definitely the youngest people in line, but we also went at like three, four o'clock on a Friday. I just got off work early. Like a lot of people would be working, that type of thing. So I don't don't hold it completely against it. Hopefully there are more young people out there voting. Uh, The last time I went and voted a few years ago, I actually ran into several friends of my age group. So regardless, we've now talked about that. I don't want to say like my, my experience was not sullied and I was not, you know, nothing was yeah. delayed or anything. I, I kind of half expected that lady to get removed because she just kept ignoring them. But <laughs> it is all good. It would have been that would have been a much more interesting yeah. story. If we didn't have any any poll watchers or anyone trying to be creepy or anything like no. that. And I just I probably would have yelled at him and told him to shut up and get out. So no, nothing like that. Like I said, just the, the picketers right out far away, like where they're supposed to be. So. All good. Not like the last time I voted where the lady in front of us kept trying to preach her views to everyone and had to get told to stop talking several times. <laughs> and I and I waited in line because I was on election day. Because of travel, I couldn't vote early and all this. and I uh, didn't do an absentee ballot or mail-in or anything. So it was like a two-hour long line where I got to hear her yeah. uh, espouse her views. So it was good. But you know what else is good, Chris? Lower decks? Uh, man, you're just, you're just killing it with the segues. Killing it. <laughs> It's my job. I, Lower Decks. I've been doing this for almost three years now. <laughs> Lower Decks, season three, uh, episodes eight, nine, and ten, starting with episode eight, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxus. Boimler's holodeck movie sequel tries to live up to the original. <laughs> this is sitting at an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb with a median score of eight. Overwhelmingly positive. Uh, 31% of the votes in eight, 23 at nine, 22 at 10. 15 at 7, and then everything else is less than 4%. Uh, so pretty pretty well received. Uh, how did you like this one, Chris? This episode made me giggle a lot. You, I remember we were supposed to record an episode on this three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we, at first you were like, hey, did you watch episode 8? And I said, yes. And you were like, pay attention. Or no, no, you said, you said are you going to watch episode 8? I'm about to watch it. you're like, great, pay attention. Which... I, I don't want to say that I paid more attention than I normally would, but I definitely did after being told to do so. I actually don't remember saying that, but I believe you. The amount of meta references that happen in this episode like, are literally off the charts. Like, I stopped counting about 15 minutes in. I just couldn't keep up with all the different callbacks, homages, and references. Uh, this episode's a lot of fun. This is a semi-sequel to, uh, what, season one episode right season one like episode eight or nine i'll double check season one episode nine crisis yeah. point yeah where, also at an 8.1 so. yeah where um beckett mariner is making a holodeck movie it's a lot of fun it's really cool but this one is really interesting we get the name in it of itself is a reference to the episode which like, I think those are my favorite. In Stargate SG-1, there's a great episode called The Broken Divide. Let me rephrase that. There's an episode called The Broken Divide. <laughs> and if you don't know what The Broken Divide is, is it's the it's a small bit of your brain that separates us from barbarians, essentially. Like, it's what makes humans civilized. And in that episode, there's a small strip between light, where people who aren't under the influence of this crazy virus who are completely relatively normal and then in the darkness where everyone is a neanderthal or primitive like that they they go by based on their baser instincts they don't have higher level brain functions Wait, is this oh for, for whatever reason i thought you said star trek oh, i'm no, just no. Sitting here trying to figure out what star trek episode no, you're talking about. i was like this is a stargate episode like no, i yeah. recognize this yeah. yeah stargate so no that's i probably just misheard i'm sorry so no it's fine crisis point two or in the, in, the, in the episode with the original Crisis Point, Beckett Mariner has a crisis. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, Boimler has probably the worst type of crisis, which is an existential crisis. You know, pretty bad. facing your mortality is something that every adult needs to go through. Not everyone d- does it very well. Uh, and I think that Bradford does a pretty good job navigating it. He allows unintentionally like his friends to really blossom beckett doesn't give up on him tindy goes like she goes from this timid tertiary character and pretty much turns into the hero of the movie which is something that i have been asking for multiple times during <laughs> this show's runtime and she's gotten it the it's past well couple it's too bad she's the hero of the m- movie in the show and not the hero of the show 
But it's cool to see her grow and and push out. I agree. I agree. That's what I want. The layers are pretty good. Like I I want I want Tindy to have more, and she's gotten more. She had um, the Orion centric, where Uh she's just a crazy pirate, which is really cool. And then in this one, she she starts freaking out because no one else is taking it seriously, and she's like, "This is this is our opportunity. This is our chance to be the hero." And she takes it. She grabs it, puts her hands around its neck, and just drags it to the floor and kills this this episode. So it's really cool. Yeah. How about you? I uh, I really enjoyed this episode. Uh, in the question poised by the uh, by the blurb, Boimler's Holodeck movie sequel tries to live up to the original. I don't think it does. I don't think it's quite as good. Uh, I had yeah. I maybe I think this is the only episode I went into with expectations, and it didn't okay. quite meet those. So I, like I have kind of a weird feeling about it. The episode overall is fun. I really like everything to do with Tindy. Rutherford is more or less along the, for the ride, which he's done a few times this season, which is okay because uh, we got other episodes coming up, <laughs> and his his centric episodes have been great as well. So no no harm no foul there. I feel like they buried the lead with other Boimler a little too much. I was a little I got to the point where I was like, okay, what is this guy's problem like what's what's going on i need to know other than that though crisis point really it referenced crisis point and crisis point two both referenced the star trek films mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit this one with star trek four with the octopus that they need to go back in time and save or whatever oh. and and star and trek then, two and with the, the star trek two with the star base the blonde scientist <laughs> yeah the blonde scientist in star trek two going back to, to the motion picture with him trying to find some special thing and it ends up being an object from Earth, Kitty Hawk yeah. or whatever. Yeah, the, the whole V'ger thing. Some similarities to Star Trek V, the one where they kill God. Tindy's whole bit, being able to, the, the kind of narrative frame of we're going to see what they're doing and then go away to the plot you probably actually care about and then go back to what they're doing and there being no no connection between what they were doing then and what they're doing now. It's just this, t- this very tentative <laughs> or very uh, very fragile plot between. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, Mariner directly references the 2009 reboot slash parallel Kelvin verse blah, blah, blah. <laughs> an alternate universe where everyone's us but younger and prettier yeah that's that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's um it's a really fun episode like i said i think it's the only episode i've gone into with expectations out of the 30 episodes of lower decks we've seen so um i might i probably did it a bit of a disservice there but overall i really really enjoyed it i think this is definitely a highlight episode of the season how did you enjoy the twist now we're in deep spoiler territory uh v- listeners viewers followers Wise guys, what did and you wise think of gals. the twist? The guys is in this in this this way. It's a it's a title, and therefore is gender neutral. A, a wise uh, guy. Are you are you talking specifically about um, at the very very end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, the very very the last thirty seconds. I I think maybe be the previous episode. No reflections. Where um, at the end, uh, well towards the end, Rutherford like has like a vision and. They're like, what do you want him to remember? And he says nothing. Right. I think at the time you asked me who that was, and I was like, man, I hope it's you know the admiral from that episode with the Phoenix and Riker mm-hmm. or Pegasus, yeah. whichever one it is. The Pegasus. Yeah. I still hope. I, I still hope it's that guy. <laughs> I still hope it's that guy, even though it's not who I wanted it to be for that thing. But it's a really interesting twist because, like, I think he even says that he wants that. Like he he even talks about how he wants to be section thirty eight thirty one sorry uh he's he's like man I really really wish I could do that it's pretty cool there's that section thirty one show that's been in pre development for a long time like to the point where if it doesn't happen I'd be not surprised is how long <laughs> it's been in in, uh, in development development I've been hell. talked about yeah I, I don't know I think that there's a limit to how many Star Trek shows they want to have aired at one time and so I think that I think the goal was it for it to fill a slot eventually. Yeah, uh, but with that coming up, do you think this is a direct tie-in or just a way for them to make jokes about the black badges and not <laughs> and not really kill off other Boimler? I mean, why not a little bit of both? I mean, because oh, okay, it, I, I don't necessarily like. Is it a live action show? Yes, yeah, the the idea is that it's a spinoff from Discovery, uh, starring Michelle Yeoh as okay. main main member, main cast member. Yeah, okay, 
All right. Yeah. I mean, just is Jack Quaid gonna? Be I don't. I do doubt it. <laughs> Brad Boimler. <laughs> Who knows? But they've they've also teased a um a lower decks slash Strange New Worlds crossover episode, mm. either in season two of Strange New Worlds or season four of Lower Decks. I'm not sure which. But the fact that they're planning on that live action slash cartoon crossover, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to pull that off. I. <sighs> I don't know how I feel about crossovers like that because I have espoused numerous times how I actually disdain the way that Marvel handles sure. its its universe. And what I mean by that is not everything has to be tied together. And I know why they do it. Don't misapprehend my purpose. I know it's all about the money. And I know it's about being able to like say, oh yeah, no, that rather obscure thing that happened, you know, five years ago in this movie. Like, oh, did you see the soda can? Did you see yeah. the soda can? It said Zerm on it. That means that in 2026, when the Doctor Doom movie eventually, like, I, you know, I don't care. I think if we really want to complain about that, we complain about Star Wars and how oh, for sure. all of these yeah. things happen to the same eight people in a galaxy like in marvel it at least makes a little bit of sense like yeah i'm a superhero of course these things are gonna on earth on earth i have a very limited view and it's it's gotten other things going on now but i think star wars is definitely the uh the largest culprit of that it's like no this isn't um this isn't important but that being said like yeah it's not it's not happening to the same eight people because there's very like i think the most obvious tie-in there's ever been to an from one star trek thing to another has been Worf, right yeah. between next gen oh. and, and tng or, or uh deep space nine yeah i guess like because those are, that's a direct spinoff right as much as people don't necessarily agree with this all all the time strange new worlds is a spinoff of discovery yeah captain pike spock and number one are in season two of discovery and then take those same characters into season one of strange new worlds so that's that's the spinoff the first episode of Deep Space Nine has Picard in it, and mm-hmm. they're on the Enterprise briefly, right? And of course, you, you mentioned Worf, uh, which is some Chief O'Brien erasure that I will not stand for on this podcast. <laughs> Chief O'Brien is, you know, directly moves over. Uh, Quark shows up in an episode. There's the first season of Deep Space Nine actually has several background characters, or not background characters, but one-off antagonists move from one series together, like the, the Klingon sisters, the Juras sisters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are in an episode of D space nine. And then they go, you know, because they were in TNG before that. And then they're in generations and somehow destroy the, whatever, whatever Q. And of course some Klingon stuff, whenever Worf shows up. And then the first episode of Voyager, they are at D space nine and Quark is there for a moment. So less of a, the obviously Voyager goes off and does its own thing. And then eventually it has, um, Marina Sirtis and, uh, <laughs> What uh, Lieutenant Broccoli show up? So, Barkley. Uh, I said what I said, <laughs> and I know you haven't seen all of Voyager, but hey, by the way, when they finally get in contact with Earth, it's because of Lieutenant Broccoli, and uh, he is still seeing <gasps> <gasps> Counselor Troy for his issues. Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, anyways, so I think this has all happened before. It all has some continuity, and I think that in Star Trek, at least, I think for the most part, it's been fan service. Up until the discovery of the Strange New Worlds direct spinoff, like we're going to introduce these characters and give them backstories prior to the show, uh, with maybe the exception of Worf, but even that is still kind of fan service, right? Like if you're going to take any character from the bridge crew of the Inter- of the Enterprise D from TNG and move them over to Deep Space Nine, I think Worf is the most obvious choice. I think he he fits it pretty well. I think he has the most interesting stories to tell because you don't you don't move Riker or uh, Picard because. Sure. You don't want to outrank the commander of the space station. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, it, it narrows it down pretty quickly to Jordy, Data, or Worf. Maybe maybe Beverly Crusher, but you already have a doctor. Any, anyways, I'm sorry. You got me way off topic. Way off topic. Sorry. I'll be very interested to see how they do those spinoffs. I feel like Star Trek has done a good job with those types of things. Think about the um, uh, the Scotty episode of TNG, right? Yeah. It's nice. A little bit of a little bit of fan service, and then we move on. And I think that and it that's happens in like season six or season five, five or six. six. Yeah, it yeah, happens way late, 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 late. I mean, I know Force to Kelly's in the first episode, or at least the yeah. pilot, one of the the part one or part two. I think part one. Yeah. So I mean, you know, they, they do little things. <laughs> More spoilers for Voyager. Uh, Sulu uh, shows up in an episode of Voyager in a flashback as Captain Sulu. 
which is pretty cool. So I like that type of stuff. It's less spinoff and more, uh, or less like we have to have this interconnected complex plot like Marvel or Star Wars, yeah. and more like, oh hey, those guys are over there. Here's a little, here's a little fan service, and I really, I really appreciate that because it doesn't dwell on it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm for it as long as it stays the way it's been this whole time. All right, man. Uh, we. Yo, one last on. thing. No, one please. last thing about this particular episode was the dude having the map on his skin a direct reference reference to Waterworld. You know, I actually <laughs> I haven't seen so like I've seen Waterworld, but I saw it at such an age at which I don't remember Waterworld. So, like I might as well have not seen it, but I thought it was a prison break reference. So I don't know. Maybe. Oh, yeah. In Waterworld, there's like this girl who's got a tattoo on her back. Right. And it's right. supposed to like lead them to dry land. It's only when they see it upside down is when they're like, oh, oh this is the actual. <laughs> because. Oh, because he's like squeezes his back flaps yeah, yeah, together yeah. and it's like. <laughs> yeah. Katir. Or Kataka, whatever it was. Kataha or whatever. Yeah. Kataka, whatever. Kataha. <laughs> Tiha, yes. that might be it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, let's let's uh, let's talk about season three, episode nine. Trusted sources: a visiting reporter on the Cerritos puts Captain Freeman on edge. I'm gonna take the uh, I'll take the lead on this one. Oh, well, here, sorry. The IMDb ratings. Let's get those out of the way. Seven point nine out of ten, with a median score of eight. Eight garnering thirty four point four percent of the votes. Nine and ten both tied at 19.8 and then 13.5 at a seven and then everything else much lower or seven at a 13.5 don't know if i worded that correctly i feel out of all of the episodes this season and i'm i'm looking at the list just to like double check how i feel about what i'm about to say yeah i feel like this is the weakest episode of the season really i feel like our characters regress specifically the captain but I feel like they all regress quite a bit when put under the slightest bit of scrutiny. Oh, there's going to be someone recording? Let me regress to my baser instincts. Let me give no one the benefit of the doubt. Let me not trust anybody. And it had a very, very predictable twist, if you even want to call it that, because it was so predictable. It might as well have been just like a lazy turn that you saw coming from two miles away. It wasn't that funny. It just kind of was. I like. I liked it. Visually, it was appealing. The story itself is fun, uh, is good, and well-written. But yeah, out of everything else that they've done this season, I feel like this is a weak point. Now it's not skippable because it directly leads into our next our next episode. But yeah, I, I feel like this was a weak point, and I feel like they the 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 show didn't, but the char- the characters around Ensign Mariner regressed Mariner against her will, if that makes sense. Like she's grown a lot, especially this season. And they just knocked all that away. And then at the end, they're like, oh my goodness, she was actually fine the whole time. Oh my gosh. And then it's too late. for. And I was just like, okay, this felt very sitcom-y, very tropey. I get it. I I don't want to completely you know, say, say it's garbage or whatever, because it does set up the next episode. But I wish they'd been able to do it in a less predictable, less routine manner. Okay. What about you? Your point was well thought out. Oh, man. It was, ar- it was articulate. Oh, man. But there's only one problem with it. What's that? I think this episode should have been called Paradoxus because mm. this is an episode that should have been in the first season of the show. Oh, sure. But the problem is that you can't have this episode in the first season of the show because we don't know any of these characters. Yeah. The whole idea that everyone else involved would be the people that would be telling these crazy horror stories, which the other reason why this episode exists as a paradox is because in what way did... Captain Freeman not expect them to tell those crazy stories, right? Like in well, like in the first episode of this show, if I were not, not maybe not the first episode, but in the first couple episodes of the show, doesn't Boiler get stabbed in the leg with a spear? <laughs> like he gets uh, his carotid. I think it's the opening. It's the cold open episode, season one, episode one. He, yeah, she yeah. accidentally slices his leg with the bat. Yeah, left. She, yeah. she almost pops his carotid artery, like <laughs> in the middle of the hallway. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a zombie outbreak. You know what I mean? Like, you, Ranson may or may not have eaten human flesh again. <laughs> again. And so, like, it's it all. It's the conceit, right? Like, life on a starship is crazy. Bone said it best. Space is death. And so even in the most normal of situations, yeah, plenty of episodes of Star Trek have like, hey man, so uh, Jake, did you do your homework? 
no, I couldn't do it last night because the replicators were being weird. Oh, that's weird. Oh, uh, hey, replicator, uh, make me an apple pie. Now it's a ticking time bomb, right? So yeah, sure. The the conceit of this episode is that there would be a reporter coming anyways. Like, why would a reporter come to a California class? Well, because it's second contact is really important. We need to find out, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I got a couple of questions uh, to, to add on to what you're saying here. Yeah. One, how is any of that surprising? How have any, like, how is... Kayshawn getting turned into a puppet, not already something she would know going into this. Like, why is that even a big deal? Why is she saying, oh, this ship has gone through all of this stuff? And it's like, yeah, have you seen every other ship in the fleet from the flagship on down? Like, none of this is that surprising. Maybe it happens at a higher rate on the Cerritos. I don't know. (laughs) Two, I've never thought about this before, but I mean, obviously not all captain logs are declassified or, or public knowledge, but a lot of them probably are because... They're just like oh, scientific discovery and and whatnot. Why aren't there embedded press on the ships? Like if that's if the press, as we've seen it this season from episode one on Grounded with uh, was it FNN and the news ticker, and then the, this this episode trusted sources with the reporter. Like why aren't like modern day journalists are embedded all sorts of places? You'd think that starships would have an embedded reporter. Yeah. Or even just a PR department that just, or P, I say public relations uh, in the loosest term, not necessarily to, to spin or to put out feel-good stories, but like you're on a ship, it's a community, it's, a, it's hundreds of people, in some cases thousands, you'd think there would be a newsletter, or even if it's just internal. It, it feels like maybe that's a missing piece yeah. in Starfleet and Star Trek in general. Um, and I get, you know, you don't put a reporter on a submarine, but maybe you do in the 24th, 25th century, whatever it is. <laughs> even the Normandy had a reporter on it. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So the captain being neurotic about being scrutinized makes complete sense. That's her, That fits her character. I think she goes a little too far. I agree that it, this episode doesn't quite work as episode nine of season three. I don't think it goes all the way up to season one or two. I think we, we get this episode, episode three. We get grounded. We get a filler episode, a buffer episode to like reestablish our characters on the ship. And then we get this. And that's where this this belongs. And Because and like I said, I just feel like it just regresses yeah. Mariner's character growth. And you know what? She leaves Starfleet at the end of this and good because I would too if I worked so hard. Like if I worked hard to get to where I was and to be perceived the way I was and then had all that dashed away, even by my friends, I'd be like, okay, yeah, it doesn't matter how hard I work. Uh, none of this matters. Okay, I'll go do something else. I mean, it's not yeah. like, it's not petty. It's not selfish. It's just, that's life. Yeah, this episode is an excuse to get her off the ship. Yeah, it's an excuse to get her off the ship. It's an excuse really to show the is. brain, which was coolish. I, I love the brain. They're awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you've you've seen all of D Space Nine, yeah, with the brain and all that. No, but uh, I know who the brain are. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. It, this episode is a way to set up the next episode, and in a season only has ten episodes, twenty ish minutes an episode, twenty three minutes an episode. I, I can't. I, I kind of hate having this filler. I hate having that. Like I said, that typical sitcom. The reason those typical sitcom tropes work in a sitcom is because I have almost thirty episodes a season, right. and I could just move on to the next. Like I'm cool, you know. But I feel like they wasted too much time with this. That's the like, it, and I'm not here out. I'm not here out here trying to tell who wrote this episode. Mike or Ben Waller. Mike Ma- Ma- Mike McCann. Or Ben Waller. I'm not out here trying to tell you how to do your jobs because it's not it's not my job. The the writing that I do is completely different than the writing that you do, and I don't get paid for it. So I'm not I'm not telling you how to do your job, but it does allow me to criticize. There are other ways to get her off the ship. Yeah. There are other ways to send her to Starbase 80. The way to not do it is to have ever like everyone else be the protagonist, right? Quote unquote, right. the good guy. And they're all on the like everyone on the ship knows the stories they told. Right, like Shax knows what he said. Ransom is uh, there's a, there's a little bit of sexual harassment going on. He's trying to yeah, be Riker, yeah. and he's not Riker. Yeah, and then uh, I, f- I forget the the guy who who turns into a puppet. Um, Kayshawn. Kayshawn, Yeah, like he knows what he said. The Trill Lady knows what she said. Like, and everyone's like judging her. Like, <laughs> the captain told everyone explicitly, "This is a normal starship. These things happen, right?" And so. Mm. They're the ones that are telling the stories of all the crazy things that happen. No one apologizes. Like, at the, yeah. it, it, flash forward for the next episode we're about to discuss. I didn't see anyone say sorry to her. You know what I mean? Like, like outside, of, outside of the captain. Right. Right. Yeah. And her friends. Like, no one came up to her and said, hey, man, 
Uh, do you remember that time that I like straight up ghosted you in front of everybody on the ship? Yeah, I'm really sorry. Oh, I did this that. is it was my this fault. is the end of Jennifer X Mariner, right? Like this is that they're done. Right? I guess I don't know. Yeah, B and she J, kept the candle, Beckett so. and Jennifer. Yeah, she gave it back. I guess she didn't take the candle back. She was like, no, I don't want it. So. I don't want it. Yeah, that's it's harsh. It's really harsh. And if I'm Beckett, do I even want to go back to the Cerritos? Yeah, okay. I want to like we're skipping way ahead, but I don't even know if I want to go back to the same ship. You know. Yeah. All right. How did you feel uh, at the end of this episode with the with the Aledo? Ship shows up. And I'm like, ooh, what's that ship? What's going on? That's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, the Aledo. Oh, I know where that is. And we get our Texas class ship. I, don't, I guess I don't get the Aledo joke. It's not. It's just a city outside of, I think, outside of Dallas. In Parker County. Oh, yeah, between Fort Worth and Weatherford. Oh, I, yeah, I've seen this sign before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right there off 20. Uh, okay. I, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. I got it. Sorry about that. You're good. Now, I, I thought the ship looked really cool. It kind of looked like a kit bash a little bit. It's like, they like, hey, let's take the Enterprise D uh-huh. and just like scale it down, give it different nacelles, and then give it the Voyager saucer section kind of thing. Remind me a little bit of the, a little bit of the Defiant as far as the overall yeah. silhouette. Obviously, yeah. it's more dynamic. Yeah. It's definitely more angular. It's got the the Norway Mm-hmm, thing right mm-hmm. in the middle there whatever that's called no i thought it was pretty neat like the idea of like this is your classic drone ship right like yeah. this is this is the solution we, we're not going to risk any lives we're going to make machines do it <laughs> i feel like we resolved this issue in measure of a man <laughs> well not even that wasn't there a tos episode where they had a, com- a computer run a ship and it ended up shooting at everyone i don't remember oh uh, yeah it, i'll i'll try to remember the name of it but Regardless, we get a Texas-class ship, and of course, Texas is the bad guy. Uh, I'm not going to read into that too much. Let's move on to, because we're transitioning pretty well here, into Season 3, Episode 10, The Stars at Night. The Cerritos crew must prove their worth in a mission race. This episode is sitting at 8.7 out of 10, with a median score of 9, 37.4% of the votes out of 10. 32.6 32.6 out of 9, 16.7 out of 8, and everything else not worth mentioning. Zero votes at 3, actually. That's interesting. Uh, regardless, everything else uh, low and negligible. So, well-loved. This, if I'm looking through, this is tied for the highest-rated episode of the season, right uh, with Here All Trust Nothing, the Deep Space Nine episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I look back, it is tied with No Small Parts from Season 1, which was their finale. And season two, scrolling through an IMDb, uh, tied with season, uh, episodes nine and 10 of season two. So the, the show continues its trend of ending with a bang, really just putting their, their best foot last. How would you, I don't, I don't know how you would word that. I, I'm going to hand this off to you. I will say that I knew the, epi- I knew the title of this episode. It had got spoiled for me a few episodes before it. So I was ex- I didn't know what to expect, but I immediately knew what it was a reference to. You might have to tell me what that reference is. What the stars at night? Yeah, are big and bright, deep oh, yeah, in the yeah. heart of Texas. Yeah, that makes there's sense, some claps yeah. in there. God, no, I can't yeah, believe yeah. you. Yeah, wh- yeah, yeah. Wh- who are you? Look, man, I moved here when I was four. It's like all of your brain cells got put <laughs> into growing that mustache. <laughs> it's so weird that your mustache hasn't got any gray in it yet. Like it just it looks. Like through the camera, it looks fake because it's a completely <laughs> different color than your eyebrows and the rest of the hair on your head. Yeah, it, yeah. Like, the gray has not managed to seep in. It's I mean, it's growing down, down yeah, towards the bottom of my chin, not yeah. up. Good, good. I think that this episode's a lot of fun. It handles a lot of like serious subject matter that's like kind of relevant for today. And it call back to a movie that we watched, if I remember right, last year with one... Uh, Anthony Mackie, famously uh, <laughs> Hawkeye of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, oh, he, where he, <laughs> like, no, no one, people who are listening to just the Star Trek episodes and not don't listen to our podcast week to week are real upset about that <laughs> inside joke. Um, so essentially, uh, the admiral whose name I, I Les Buenamigo. Good friend. So, good friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, is Who knew the, that someone named Buenamigo would be a badmiral? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Badmiral? Nice. Yeah. He has created these autonomous ships that essentially are going to function as the new wave of Starfleet, right? These ships are going to go to planets that we've already been to, 
And what they're going to do is they're going to do the work that um, humans don't have to do because it's going to, quote unquote, save lives, right? And this is an argument that has been happening since automation became something that humans have been able to do. Um, where it's like, well, let's let's get let's replace humans with machines because machines are more efficient. Machines make logical uh, choices and they're able to to do them quicker. They're able yeah. to do them faster. You're able to remove the human element of mistakes or um, uh, what's the other word I'm looking for there? Yeah, mistakes. Flaws. Uh, yeah, flaws. Bad judgments. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like human error is what I was trying to say. It backfires hilariously. Well, not for some people. I think it. I think it's a great ending to a season because it allows us to come full circle. Um, it ties into things that happened in season one, things that happened in this season and season two, I guess. So, as it turns out, spoilers in three, two, one. Or, or do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to give your opinion before we go into spoiler territory? Uh, you know what? You you have the lead. You got the you got the floor. You decide. Admiral Buenamigo is in fact the person who is the reason why Rutherford is a cyborg. He was trying to get Rutherford to develop an AI system that would control the ship, blah, 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 blah. The prototype blows up in his face, and then the Admiral wipes his memory, right? He's like, okay, you know, that's uh, that's it for you. You can't remember who I am. And then later on, he creates Badgie using the, I guess, the 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 little bit of memory he had about it. Badgie goes crazy, of course, and then these ships also go crazy. I thought it was a lot of fun. Ship can't have daddy issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course you can't, yeah. It was definitely a really fun bow. It might be the best episode of the actual series. It really might be. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a lot of fun. And the fact that like all the California classes when they showed up, when he starts naming them, I thought it was really funny. Yeah, like he, they just pulled out a map of California and started going yeah. up. <laughs> the San Clemente. <laughs> <laughs> the Fresno, yeah. Mount Shasta. <laughs> it's good. I enjoyed all of the different paint jobs. Oh yeah. As yeah, well. Yeah. Like not just that they're colored the blue and, and uh orange for their different uh job duties, but orange, gold, tan, whatever. Nice gold. Yellowish. Uh but actually like had different designs. I thought that was really that was really cool. I also think this is the best episode of the series. I think this is great, but also probably the last episode that I would recommend to somebody to watch because it, it ties up so many different plot points. Yeah. I wasn't... Okay, so what are the three... Te- the three Texas ships are the Dallas, the Corpus Christi, and the Aledo. So I have a couple of problems with those names. <laughs> let me let me just get that out of the way real quick. One, uh, they didn't name any of the ships after the city we live in, which is yeah. uh, absolute trash. Uh, two, why Corpus would you name... Christie is a shithole. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. That's number three. Number two, you have Aledo and then you have Dallas. Like you couldn't pick two cities that are further apart. You couldn't like spread out the love. Give yeah. us an El Paso or a, or a Galveston or something. Yeah. The Lubbock. No. Yeah, the lo- no, thanks. Never mind. The, the Odessa. Oh, oh, no. no, no. That, that, the that, Andrews. That, the Odessa and the Midland are the shuttles that go to Starbase 80. That's oh, that's there you go. I know I'm completely fine alienating Midland Odessa. Yeah. But where's the Mertzen? Where's the <laughs> Where's the Erath? Yeah. Oh where's God. where is Earth Texas? Where is it? Where is where's it? Where's Paris? Starfleet? Yeah. Where's uh, Boston? Where's the Boston? <laughs> Sherman, Texas. Yeah. Any, anyways. Where's Arlen? Where's the Arlen? <laughs> Where's uh, so? What, what if the what if there was a what if there was a Texas class ship called the Arlen, and when it cuts to the bridge crew, it's literally the cast of like King of the Hill. No, you know what great. I mean. That like, would have been a fantastic acting ensign Bobby Hill. Yeah, that would have been great, Captain. <laughs> Bobby, if you weren't my ensign, I'd hug you. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. No, so I mean, I could have spread the love a little bit. Uh, two. Corpus this be, this uh, three, three, sorry, three yeah. Corpus Christi. You expect me to believe that Corpus Christi still exists <laughs> twenty years from now, forty years from now? I think I read an article. Some, or I talked to somebody. Read an article the other day about how they only have like ten years of water left because they make horrible decisions. Every time I uh, look up Corpus Christi, it's flooded again. Like, there's no way that that town exists unless they're naming ships off of out of, out of ghost towns that like disappeared tra- during World War Three. Yeah. Right, like this. <laughs> There's in, no way. In the eugenics war, Corpus Christi was the site of a major battlefield. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
more like the Gulf boiled and Corpus Christi just ceased to exist uh, and nothing of value was lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those were my, those are my problems with, with where they named the ships. I don't have anything else to say that you haven't already said. I think this is great. I think quote you can quote me from a previous uh, Sci-Fi Wise Guys episode and is expecting the visions that Rutherford were having to not come back until season four. And I'm glad I was wrong. I'm glad we wrapped that up. I like the ending bit with him talking about how horrible the thing is. Yeah. But it's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's some menus that I haven't even I've discovered yet. All like, these different vision modes. Yeah. It's really, really funny. Like, do we want to talk about how many people died in this episode? Uh, we can. So many people died in this episode. Can we talk about the reference to Time Zero, or is it the best of both worlds? What's the ep- What's the end of TNG when all the Enterprises show up with all the different crews? All good things. Yeah, all good things. Yeah. So when when all the California classes are coming in and they're like cutting to the different bridge crews, like there's the alternate cerritos with like bug boiler. bug people yeah yeah and then there like there's captain all the or, other uh, captains yeah well no there's doctor to there's doctor to han but like a human male yeah. version of her yeah yeah no like that's that's what i i thought that was a reference to that maybe like i think it's also a reference to the fact that it's easier to animate based off models you already have and oh so sure they sure. just start making yeah. that joke yeah but just like just the way the ships when they come in and they're mm-hmm. all just kind of like in that big, weird holding pattern, and it kind of looks like that episode. Yeah, it's good. Are we finally going to get a Cerritos A? <laughs> it's been, oh, no, it's been blo- rebuilt so many times. Give me a dash A. Do it. <laughs> Don't be a coward. No, nobody, no bloody A, B, C, or D. <laughs> this is an interesting little tidbit off IMDb. Captain Freeman orders maximum warp, and a moment later, Boimler announces that they're holding at warp 8. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think they've they've established that they're slower for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's a good reference to a comment that one of us had early, early on when we were talking about the design of the Cerritos. We because we were talking about like, is that structurally like, is that a good structural idea to have <laughs> engineering sound? Yeah. so far away with these huge struts? And like, yeah. I think um, the the engineer even says it. He's like, I don't know how how long the struts can hold. But I say yeah. all that because. In this episode, Boimler, he hurts Papa Bear's feelings. He hurts Big oh, he Daddy does. Shax's feelings. He does. And towards the end of this episode, they're running from the Texas-class ships. They're in warp. They're getting fired upon. It's desperate. And Shax finally gets to do what he's always wanted to do. Yes. Just let me eject the warp core. Just let me do it, please. Um, so they eject the warp core, and it's like he's running with the Olympic torch yeah. Down to engineering. Tindy uh. sees him off. She's like, you go, you go, commander or lieutenant. And he's running. He's high-fiving people. He walks up. He sees um, Billups. It's great. The whole uh, I loved it. amazing. Yes. And then at the at the very end, he walks up to Boimler in the bar, and he's like, you're part of the bear pack. And then Rutherford's like, oh, go bears, go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought... I thought it was a lot of fun. Like I, I, I'm really glad Shaq's got to do what he wanted to do. Oh yeah. So it took it too fun. long. Yeah. And how many times has he died before yeah. you're gonna let him do this? <laughs> At least one. This. Season. At, At least, least one. one but we're season. not privy. Yeah. How Who many times, how many times the, the bridge crew comes back to life? <laughs> yeah. How many times is yeah? What is he owe Kira for that one? Yeah. So. What is this? So I am upset mm. with Paramount Plus. What else is new? <laughs> okay. So when it. When it gets to the credits at the end, it starts trying to autoplay something else, right? Yeah, it yeah, makes yeah. the makes the episode all small. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I I stop the episode. Oh, I see. And um, that's that's been what I've been doing this whole time. For this final episode, I said, "Oh, l- let's run the credits out" because I was talking about the episode and thinking about it. And I was like, "Let's just run the credits out and have the music going." And then there was a scene after the credits. I was two seconds away from not seeing the scene after the credits because Paramount Plus was like, you don't need to see that. We're going to play some other random crap you don't care about. Oh, okay. Okay. So did you see the scene after the yeah, credits? I did. I did Have there been the other scenes after the credits this whole season? Um, Because I haven't no. I haven't watched the credits all the way through. No. Okay. So I haven't missed out on anything until like I got lucky just now. What I usually do is... Well, let me rephrase that. I don't think so. Um, I can't 100% guarantee that because what I usually do is as soon as the credits start and it minimizes to that window, I open it back up because mm-hmm. I try to see guest stars. Gotcha. And then when I don't see anyone I recognize and then it starts to get into production, no offense, production people, 
I just take my I take my mouse pointer and I, I I go all the way towards the end and I like I scrub through on the timeline to see if there's any scenes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I haven't seen any, so okay, there could be. Okay, so good. How did you feel about like we saw in the peanut hamper episode? We saw Rutherford's old implant floating in space. Mm-hmm. Now we get to see it again, getting picked up by those scavengers. How did you? I can't. So I'm, I've really been racking my brain trying to remember, and I should have just went back and listened to the episode, like we tell our fans to do. Whether you like Badgie or not, I thought he's great. Okay, good. So how yeah. do you feel about the inevitable return of Badgie in season four? I have two questions. One, well, I, it, well, it's one question with, I guess, two questions in it. Do you think that was a Borg or a Romulan ship that was picking it up? Mm-hmm. I assumed it was the scavengers, but I also assumed that like that we saw in the peanut hamper episode, mm-hmm. but I also assumed that the writers don't know yet and we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, just, it was a green beam. No, it's just a tractor beam. Who knows, man? Yeah. 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 It could no, be anybody, but for sure. But like for me, like it would be when, better when, if it was the Borg. When obviously. I see green, when I, think, I see green, I just yeah. assume it's the Romulans or the Borg. So if I had to choose between those two, I'd, I would choose Borg. Yeah, I think that could wrap up some plot points for me. That actually might be a direct tie into some other Star Trek that we don't have to talk about. But uh, that would be uh, that would be interesting. <sighs> How did you feel about this season overall? I don't want to say it's the best season because I don't. It's hard for me to compare. I can't say a season of a show is the best when it's not over. Sure. Well, thus you far, I mean? you could say thus far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just like I. I don't really. I don't like to do that, but. Uh, I mean, I guess so far, yeah, we're getting a lot of payoffs. Like that's the benefit, right, of time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is, and, and this is something that applies to real life as well. As you, as things get older, you have the benefit of hindsight. You have the ability to look back and see what you did or what you didn't do, and you can choose to either improve upon that or not to. And so, I definitely think that this is this season took a long, hard look at the other... The writers of the show took a long, hard look at seasons one and two, figured out what worked and what really didn't work. And you can tell, like... And I'm not saying that the people who write these shows go to IMDb and look at the scores, right? Because the possibility is is that since it was a new show, people were more critical of it. Because if you look at these season rated... The episode rating, 6.8, and this is season one... 6.8, 7.0, 7.2, 7.3, 7.5, 7.2, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 7.5, 
transition for the next season. I think season two ended with Freeman being arrested, so it's this big cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. There's no cliffhanger. We're gonna this we're gonna be back on the ship doing normal mission stuff next season, and I, I really like that. It's really good. Yeah, ten out of ten. It's in the top one or two uh, animated Star Trek shows <laughs> uh, that exist. Top so. three. Top it's, three at least. I think top. It's. A, I'll give that to you. It's in the top three. It's definitely in the top three. <laughs> Speaking of animated shows, I've been watching Prodigy since it came back up. I don't know if you've watched any of it. It's all good if you have it. It's all good. I have not watched past the what we watched. Well, we watched before. It, we don't. I don't. Not really wanting to talk about Prodigy as much as I want to talk about how uh, I guess for the children's shows, which Prodigy counts, it doesn't do a countdown. It just it gets to the credits and then gives a 10 second like Paramount Plus logo and then immediately starts trying to play the uh, the first episode of the the Rugrats reboot after every <laughs> Prodigy episode it, that I watch and I'm like uh interesting enough I've not interested in watching the Rugrats reboot or whatever Wait, hold on. Rugrats reboot. I think it's a reboot because it's all on CGI and stuff. I'm just making assumptions. Yeah, they started a new series in 2021. Computer animated streaming television series, and it starts auto playing it. Oh my god, this is nightmare fuel! It starts playing the the theme song after every episode of Prodigy. It is not great. I'm gonna say something really controversial. Oh, okay. I hate Rugrats. <laughs> so controversial. So brave. How can you say something <laughs> so, so <brave>. controversial? <laughs> yeah, so brave. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, overall, Lower Decks has been a, a highlight of science fiction and Star Trek specifically but science fiction overall in the last three years it's definitely been a lot of fun and i I enjoy that it started just a little bit after we started our podcast like i think we had no intentions of reviewing lower decks up until like oh hey this is happening like it came out today we missed i guess this came out i I didn't realize it was coming and now we've reviewed every episode (laughs) the funniest thing about lower decks is just something that i've mentioned to um, our mutual friend kill friend uh, mutual yeah yeah best man at my wedding uh <laughs> best man i didn't the, i the reason why lower decks is really interesting and fun for me i didn't think they had the balls to do it no i'm <laughs> no. being serious no, I'm just, like I'm with like I'm if with you could have if if in 2019 you would have said hey 2020 is going to be a very special year for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. and one of those reasons is the makers of star trek a famously overtly serious take on science fiction in the future is going to have a animated cartoon show where a bird may or may not have, you know, consummated its relationship with a, a robot called peanut hamper. I'd have looked at you like you're crazy. I'd yeah. have been like, hell no, they're not going to do that. There's no way. There's no way a franchise that cast of English, a British guy is a Frenchman is going to Who do hates that, right? children. Yeah. 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 I, I, I didn't think they were going to do it. You know, you talked about Star Wars and in Marvel earlier. Like, I really thought Disney was going to do something similar to Lower Decks. Those are the those are the franchises that make the most sense because they're targeted directly at children. But the difference is they they target children in a way that's intelligent. Mm. I I want you to go see the Star Wars movie with your kids, and in order to do that, I'm going to have you know a giant bug eyed alien who sure. repeats himself. And talks kind of in the third person. You say that, but like, in, in, in some ways, I think Lower Decks and Star Trek beat them to the punch. Star Wars already has, and Marvel both, uh, more so Star Wars, already have a, a long track record of kids' animated shows. And I think yeah. Prodigy is more of a, a response to that. But you're right. like You would expect the, the more irreverent. Yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's what I was trying to say. Lower Decks is such an irreverent show that holds a deep respect for the source material. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Not necessarily I didn't expect them to do it. I didn't think they would be able to make a show that makes fun of Star Trek while being respectful to it at the same time. Yeah. That's the main thing when I said I didn't want it to be Rick and Morty. I didn't want them to just make fun of the thing that I loved to my face while I paid them $14 a month to do it. $14? You're paying $14? For Paramount Plus? Yeah. Well, because I think I have the family plan. Is there a I'll look it up right now. Maybe it's nine ninety nine, right? I feel I don't know. account. I mean, account. Uh, nine ninety nine. Yeah, nine ninety nine. Yeah, or a hundred dollars a year. Yeah. So um, don't. Yeah. No. I mean, I, unless. Yeah. I mean, please. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether to tell people to get the subscription because I want to support Star Trek, or tell people to stay away from it because it's such a shit service. Yeah. 
but no, I just, I, I really thought that like other franchises would do it. Other franchises would, would make a show that could make fun of the source material and respect it at the same time. It's a credit to Mike McMahon. And it's a credit, yeah. as much as I hate to say this, it's a credit to Alex Kurtz, Kurtzman for letting them do it. I don't know what type of notes they get on this show from the studio, but they're working, uh, whether or not they're <laughs> they're following them or not. However that relationship is work, uh, works is working. Uh, I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. It's uh, skeptical, I think, is the way that everyone approached this show. Mm-hmm. skeptical so very happy fantastic so next week we will be watching and reviewing some good old cruddy sci-fi <laughs> uh so went on twitter semi-recently uh, we've been kind of off social media a bit I've, I've been traveling you've been busy um so we'll be we'll be hitting it back up a bit but i went on twitter and asked people what their favorite low budget science fiction film was and we got some suggestions so we'll be watching the okay. first of those suggestions next week uh, so we'll be watching a movie called Space Hunter, Adventures mm. in the Forbidden Zone. <gasps> it's a 1983 American-Canadian space western film. The blurb reads, on a distant planet inhabited by mutants, two bounty hunters race to rescue three Earth female captives from the clutches <laughs> of an evil mutant warlord. This stars Peter Strauss, Molly Ringwald, and Ernie Hudson. Oh, and Michael Ironside, baby! yes. 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 There you go. So this was suggested by, I'm going to mispronounce your last name, Kelly Zintgorgi, if that even is your last name, because it is Twitter, and you don't have to put that on there. Uh, but we'll be watching that this week, reviewing it for next week. Uh, it should be a lot of fun uh, and very different than what we've done recently, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, love Same. Molly Ringwald. Never knew this movie existed. Yeah. Uh, if you have suggestions for things we should watch, please email us, scifiwiseguys at gmail.com. Uh, you can also uh, hit us up on social media, at scifiwiseguys on Twitter. Uh, DM us or just add us if you want to you know, chastise us publicly. That's fine, too. Uh, we appreciate the suggestions and, and any insight. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, uh, we'd appreciate you giving it that uh, thumbs up, the little heart, the subscribe, the follow, whatever the button is called on your podcatcher of choice. And then, of course, share us with your friends. Uh, if you hated the episode, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. share us with your enemies. Yes. Because everyone deserves to listen to us. Stay healthy. Stay hydrated. And uh, just remember, trust your kids. <laughs> trust your kids. Um, yeah, trust... Trust uh, trust your kids when they're adults. Like, trust but know. verify. Uh, <laughs> always trust but verify. Trust but verify. But yeah. yeah, that's where I'm at. Thanks, Bye, guys. I do love that the Texas class got outclassed. <laughs> because of the prime directive. Like who would have thought that the prime directive coming out would be like coming into play would be the reason that they win. It's so good. General order one. Yep. Yeah, prime directive. That'll never stick. That was that oh, that's that's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>